Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, welcome back to The Plotting Shed. How lovely for you to join me again. You're listening to Rachel McCartane and thank you very much wherever you are joining me around the globe. I have listeners in all continents, which is pretty amazing. So thank you very much for listening in and for the comments that you you send me. It's all hugely appreciated. And it's really quite amazing, actually, to know that there's people that are listening to me as far away as in the South Pacific, which is utterly bonkers. But what it does show you is that although the planting is different, although climates are different, expectations are the same around the world. People want a nice garden and a good garden, but they don't know how to achieve one. And also, we're all dealing with the same problems. We're all dealing with the same issues. And design is universal, which is why I try not to limit my talk about gardening and design issues around plants based in the UK, because then it won't make it relevant for wherever you are. So I try and keep all of the the design principles universal or global, shall we say. So thank you very much for listening. Right, this week, family-friendly gardens. Now there's a phrase, isn't it? Well, we all have families, don't we? And we all have gardens that have to multitask. And that's what we're really dealing with. It's not family-friendly garden. It's multifunctional garden space and how do we create one. So I wanted to talk about the issues that you need to cover to think about to look at if you're trying to create a space that's good for everybody in the household. And I'm not talking about huge big garden spaces here. As you all know I try to focus my design advice on on the ordinary, on on the gardens that you or I all have, our small backyard spaces, our small back garden spaces. They could be modern housing estates with really small gardens or slightly bigger gardens, but still we're not talking about massive gardens and we're definitely not talking about massive garden budgets. We're just trying to make the most of what we have. So multifunctional gardens. How can we, in a smallish space, provide space for little people to boom around and also space for us? And what happens when it goes wrong and how do we prevent it? First things first, it's about priorities and this is where whenever I see a lot of gardens with young children you can see the thought process that's gone into it. All that happens is we create a a hole in the ground as it were that we try and fill things with thinking that that's going to make a space for the kids to use but it leaves us 
rather short. It leaves us without elements for ourselves. And what happens is we don't create a family-friendly garden. We create a place where adults and children don't function together. Or one sits inside while the others are outside. There isn't enjoyment for both. So what can we do and how can we achieve it? Obviously, there's lots of stuff on the website, so please go and have a look, plantplots.com. I've also got my book, which will discuss this, these sorts of elements in greater detail. And I've put on a video as well, which I'll put the link onto my YouTube site at the end of on the show notes. So what are the problems? Well, small gardens just simply don't have enough space for everything. And what tends to happen with the average family and you've got young children is the thought process goes like this. The kids need space to run around because if they've got lots of space in the garden, they'll boom around, they'll be outside, they'll get lots of fresh air, they'll not be under my feet, they'll not be in my hair and they can run around. So we're going to maximise the space of the lawn and we're going to have a few plants around the edges that won't get damaged when the kids get footballs at them. The bigger the space they have, the more booming around that they can do and the better the garden will be. But does this really happen? So I would challenge all of you to actually look at how much that thought process has panned out in your garden. So if you've created a very normal type of garden where we've got the lawn in the middle, you've got thin borders around your boundaries and the kids have got football goals and maybe there's a swing and there's a slide and what have you. If you want to create a really good family garden, analyse how they're using the space. Because if that's what your priority is, to give the children a garden that they really want to play in, and that they want to be in, and that you enjoy watching them play in, you need to understand how they play and what they're doing. What actually is it? How much of this time are they using in the garden? Is it only when the sun is shining? Do they ever go outside when it's not quite so nice? What do they do? How do they play? How do they interact? And also, how do you interact with their playing in the garden? Now, this is going to sound a little bit negative, but having had been a parent of golfing children, I can distinctly remember standing there and watching my four-year-old tee up all my tulips with his golf clubs and swipe the living daylights out of them. He had a wonderful time and I watched all my beautiful tulips get completely annihilated through the window thinking, hmm, okay, so... He's playing, it's in the garden, but what would I be saying normally? Don't do that. Don't kick the ball into the hedges. Don't kick the ball into the plants. Mind where you're running. Don't, don't tread on the flowers. And all of these phrases and interactions and everything else just tell you that actually your garden design, your garden layout isn't really family friendly. So we have to go back a few paces and we have to actually understand once again what it is we want the garden to achieve for us. What does family friendly mean in reality? 
It is not simply a space for children to run around. That won't make a family-friendly garden. What do you want to do in the garden with the kids? Where do you want to be? How do you want to interact with them? Is it that you want to enjoy them zooming around on the patio next to you on tricycles and bicycles or that they take stuff out from the kitchen door and sit on the patio outside and play? Seeing how they will behave and how you behave are important. But the thing that you need to remember is that with any design or layout or change of plan that you're putting in to try and provide something for your children, it needs to be adaptable. It will only be fit for purpose for two to three years and then the kids will change. As really small kids, we're not going to have spaces where we can't see what they're doing. But kids will like to wander and touch and feel, but they'll walk around the garden with you. Just having a, a slide in the middle of the lawn will not make a two-year-old go out there and play by themselves. They've got to be out there with you and interacting with you. As they get older, they'll be a bit more adventurous. They'll be climbing and sliding and swinging and throwing and kicking and mimicking and playing and all those other things and playhouses and all those other bits that allows them that little bit of independence. But if you spend loads of money creating something for a child now, it might not be applicable in two to three years time. Obviously, teenagers are a completely different ball game. I mean, good luck with even getting them out into the garden. But if you can, then maybe you need to find a space where they can hang out and still see their phone screens. There's a bit of privacy that they've got some of their space. It's lounge space, it's different space. So again, we adapt all the time. So how do we work out what we need to do with a garden that is going to be multifunctional like this? Again, it is prioritizing who gets what and zoning. If you are going to have a space in the garden that you are going to interact with as a family, you can have different zones. They can be off there doing stuff, but they're next to you doing your stuff. Because just sitting on a patio with nothing else surrounding you, but a climbing frame and a brightly colored slide isn't gonna give you enjoyment in your garden. So there's a their space and there's a your space. Both don't have to have equal priority. It doesn't have to be 50-50. This is the choice at which you are limited by your space you might need to have a certain amount of space for your family to sit and eat outside. That will be the predeterminant for the size of the patio. The rest then is, is for the kids to have. Or it might be that you take a smaller space for yourself and you give the kids a bigger space, but you still need to protect your space. Last week I said, when we were talking about design layout, very common garden layout is the patios outside the back door and then the lawn butts up to the patio and then you have the flower garden or the plants further away. For a multifunctional family space it is far more sensible to flip that around and bring the plants as close to where you are going to be occupying your garden the most of the time which is probably in your seating space. 
bring as much of the garden as close to you as possible. You can have your flowers, you can have your pots, you can have your everything that is going to give you joy and happiness around where you're sitting. Maybe there are a couple of routes from the patio through the garden into the children's play space, which means you could actually give them a much wider space. You can take the lawn right up to the, the fences if you, if you can. You don't need to have space for the garden. That's now surrounding you. Therefore, the rest of the space can be open if that's what your children need. It might be the football goals, but you have to determine how they are going to interact in that space. I recently was sent photographs of a garden and it was a classic new house build. It has a fairly small, they were surrounded by brick walls and garage walls and a football goal. Where was the orientation of the football goal? Now, most people would put it in the middle of the back fence maybe, but actually a better orientation because it gives you a longer route through is a diagonal. Giving them the whole of that penalty shootout run-up space along the diagonal of the lawn, which then gives you space in those corners to put some planting that isn't where the football is going to get generally smacked. The direction of destruction, shall we say, is, is not directly aimed at you or your plants. But you give the kids that space. Now, counter to what looks like common sense, if you have got football and it balls and things like that, then buy the biggest football goal you can possibly fit. Because goals are really good at catching wayward shots and wayward footballs. And it's much better to try and fit a big goal in that you can then put some taller shrubs around the side of or what have you, because it will stop the ball going and flying everywhere. Another alternative in multifunctional gardens is to create open, sturdy screens that allows you to see through, see what the kids are doing, but it prevents balls, footballs, frisbees, you name it, whatever, coming flying to where you are and it protects you and your plants and where you're seating. And that's to have these, have you seen these vertical post screens? And these could be set behind a football goal. So if the ball misses, it smacks into the posts. It doesn't go into your plants, which allows you to have more delicate plants, tulips, as long as you haven't got golfing children, because they're not going to get hit by a football. So we put the sturdier plants, we put the more adaptable plants to children's play around the spaces where they may be. And it's not always big shrubs to catch things or the unbreakable, because sometimes those snap more. Things like ornamental grasses or plants that are really soft and tactile, it won't matter if the children run through them. They're not going to damage anything by stepping on things. But maybe again, you could start thinking how you interact with the children in the garden. If you have a slide, what's stopping the slide being, the steps of the slide being on the paving, on the patio where you sit? And then the children have to go down the slide that goes over your plant border. It doesn't always have to sit in the middle of the lawn. A swing, for example, they'll jump on a swing, 
but what's stopping them swinging through some soft foliage? Why can't the pergola or the arch that you want to put in the garden be sturdy enough to also have one of those cocoon hammocks or a small swing attached to it? You multi-purpose the elements and then when the children grow out of the swing, the arch becomes something you can grow plants over or you can even grow plants over when, when they're still doing it. The key thing about multifunctionality is understanding what the function that it has to have is. Ultimately, children want to spend time with us in the garden. They want to play with us. But also, it is important for us as adults to have a space where we feel we have a little cordon sanitaire. I don't want to be sitting in the garden and hanging on to my wine glass in case the, the cricket ball comes flying through. So by giving yourself an open screen or a trellis or something like that, it allows you to sit outside with the children doing their stuff and booming around. But lastly and most importantly is attitudes. If we have the attitude that the outside space, the garden out there, is, is dealt with on the same parameters as inside the house, that we pack things away, that things are neat and tidy, that it's another room, it just doesn't have a roof, then we can put restrictions on how the children play. You want them to be able to explore and do things and maybe get muddy or dirty, touch, feel, sniff, scratch, smell, roll about, enjoy things, look at daisies, make daisy chains, watch bees, watch butterflies, watch all sorts of things in the garden. So you've got to identify your priorities about how you want the children to interact with the garden. That will determine the layout. How you want the children to play, that will determine the orientation of the garden. Where you zone it off to say, this is my safe space from kids space, but I can still see them. Don't spend too much money on making those adaptations because you will change them again in two or three years time. But look at what the children play and how they play. Is there a, a covered space we can create outside the back door so that even if the weather's a little inclement, they can get outside? All of these things are really important if you're going to create a family-friendly garden as opposed to just a lawn. Thanks for listening. Next week, I'm going to start looking a little bit more about shapes of gardens and how we can design layouts in specific shapes of the garden that we have and some of the little rules and tips and design tricks that you can use to make your garden better. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download, you can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look, and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. 
You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week, enjoy your garden, take care and stay well.